So the title of the message is Blessed to be a Blessing. Blessed to be a Blessing. So Acts chapter 13, blessed to be a blessing. Now, before I get to Acts 13, nor, as normal, I'm going to go to some Scripture first, all right? So let me read you this, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Again, this is from the Tree of Life version. You'll see a little difference. It says, then Adonai, where other versions will say the Lord. So it actually uses God's name here, the name that he's using in this verse. Then Adonai said to Abram, get going out from your land and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. My heart's desire is to make you into a great nation. Now watch this, to bless you, sometimes I underline words so that we, they stand out for the purpose of the message, to bless you, to make your name great so that you may be a blessing. Remember the title of the message is blessed to be a blessing. My desire is to bless those who bless you. Now watch, this is Scripture, but whoever curses you, I will curse. By the way, this word for curse means to treat with contempt or dishonor. Whoever treats you with contempt or dishonor, then I will also treat with contempt and dishonor. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And obviously, that is a reference to that Yeshua, the Messiah, came through the nation of Israel. And here's the birth of the nation of Israel right here through uh, uh, a father uh, who could not conceive and a wife who could not conceive, both too old to conceive. And God brings a supernatural birth to part. All right, so I want to talk to you a little about Israel and give you my history, all right? Uh, So here's point number one, the peace of Israel. The peace of Israel. And this is where my journey started years ago. And I think that it was in the early 90s. Uh, Wayne, if you remember, I think it was in the early 90s of this elders meeting we talked about. Pastor Olin, you might remember, but I think it was the early 90s. So one morning, I'm having a quiet time, and uh, not just one morning, okay, one of the mornings. <laughs> okay, not once in my life. All right, so I was having my quiet time, normal, regular quiet time, okay? And I was just reading through, and I was in, in Psalms, and I read Psalm 122, and I got down to verse 6. And it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be at peace. Now, by the way, let me just comment on that. Would, you, would it be all right with you if, if you were at peace? Okay, love Jerusalem. May those who love you be at peace. Okay, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So I'm having my quiet time, and the Lord says to me, I want you to do that. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'll do that. And then I started to read the next uh, chapter. This is the last verse in chapter 122. So I started to read chapter 123, verse 1, and the Lord said, no, I want you to do it now, like that. And so I said, okay. Now, I hate to tell you what I did, but at that time, I was replacement theology, um, which means I believed that the church had replaced Israel. And this, it's an incorrect theology. It's, it's, it's heresy is what it is. The church has not replaced Israel. It has, it, it, the best way to say it is grafted in theology. We've been grafted in. So, but I didn't know that time. And I wasn't um, obstinate about it. I'd just been trained that way. So I didn't know it. So the Lord said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So here's what I did. I started praying for the church. Not for Jerusalem or Israel or Jewish people but the church. 
the body of Christ at large, mainly the Gentile church. And the Lord said to me, uh, I didn't tell you to pray for the church. I told you to pray for Jerusalem. And again, I really hate to admit this, but I said to the Lord, well, Lord, when the Bible says church, it means, when it says Jerusalem, it means the church. Now, I want you to just think for a moment of the foolishness of telling God what the Bible means. I said, well, when it says Jerusalem, it means the church. And the Lord said to me, no, it doesn't. It means Jerusalem. And he said, and I know. So, okay, so pray for the peace of Jerusalem. To my knowledge, I never prayed for Jerusalem before this, to my knowledge. So I began praying for Jerusalem, which also caused me to pray for Israel and for the Jewish people, which, listen, gave me a burden. Because when you pray about something, you start being burdened about it and concerned about it. So that's what I mean by pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And then that morning, we go to elders meeting. We were elders at Shady Grove Church. Pastor Olam's the senior pastor. Wayne was an elder. I was an elder. There were 12 or 15 of us elders at the church. And, um, and we had worship and prayer time. And afterwards, uh, Wayne said, uh, guys, I've really had Israel on my heart lately. And I said, you know, God spoke to me this uh, verse this morning and told me that Jerusalem is not referring to the church. And I don't know anything at all about Israel. At some point, I'd love for you to help me to understand about Israel and the place that Israel has in the world today and in, in scriptures. And many of the other elders said the same. They said, we'd like to talk about it too. So we started talking about it right then. Wayne took us, and Pastor Olin as well, because he knew about this as well. They began to take us through scripture after scripture after scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, and for the first time, I saw things in Scripture about the nation of Israel and about the Jewish people I'd never seen before. And God opened my heart. So that's where it started with me. So the number one is the, the, the peace of Israel. Here's number two, the priority of Israel. As I began to pray, I got a burden. As I began to get a burden, I began to study. And as I began to study, I began to see a priority. Not, listen to me carefully, not in exclusivity. And that's where a lot of people make the mistake. Not in exclusivity, but a priority. And so I'll explain to you what that means and where Gateway's position is on this. So I, I'm, not, I'm not at Acts 13 yet. Sorry. Let me show you another scripture first. Here's a scripture that many pastors and many Christians quote, and they actually leave out the second part of the scripture. But the second part is inspired and inerrant and infallible as well. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the good news. Again, this is the Tree of Life version. The word gospel comes from a Greek word, but it means good news. So it's a, it's a correct translation. I'm not ashamed of the good news, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who trusts. Or we, we would see that word many times as believes, but it's the same. It's a, it's a great translation of the word. Now watch this. This is where people, they stop, but you need to read on. To the Jew first. And this is in, in every translation that I know. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. To the Jew first. Now, I'm not saying, again, to the Jew only. I am saying to the Jew first. And I think this is a key to world evangelism. 
that our world missions here at Gateway Church is to the whole world. We will see the whole world except Yeshua, Jesus, Jesus to the to Gentiles, Yeshua to Hebrews. We will see the whole world except Yeshua, but God has an order. And his order is to the Jew first. And I'm going to show you this through Scripture, but I want you to think about it like tithing. When you give the first 10%, see, it's, the tithe is the first 10%, it's not the last 10%. But when you give the first 10% to the local church, the rest is blessed. Is it possible that when we give the first of our world evangelism missions funds to bless Israel, and I'm going to share with you what I mean by blessing Israel in a moment, but when we do that, that the rest is blessed. So we started doing this, listen to me carefully, from day one at Gateway Church. And the, the Jewish ministry that I knew that uh, was, uh, was closely represented with or um, related with was Dr. Wayne Wilkes and MJBI, Messianic Jewish Bible Institutes. So here's what I told our uh, business pastor from day one. On January 1st, on February 1st, on March 1st, on April 1st, the first check we write every month, we, we were setting aside 10% of the tithe to go to missions. I said, take 10% of the missions fund and send it to MJBI. Just the first check every month. And so we started doing that from the very first. You know, it's amazing. You may have never even connected this, but when we begin this, the Messianic service, we do it on the first Friday of every month. Well, we have Saturday and Sunday services, so actually the first service we have every month is the Messianic service. Isn't that something? So it's a principle that God's given us, and it's a principle in Scripture, and I really believe the way we bless Israel, listen to me, please hear my heart, is we tell them their Messiah's come. Your Messiah's here. Your Messiah has come. Now, if you're a, a Jewish person and you're not a believer in Yeshua and you're attending the service for maybe your spouse is or something, Please, please hear my heart. Please do not get offended at me that I believe Yeshua is the Messiah. Obviously, you would know that because I'm a Christian pastor, okay? But please don't get offended at me for saying that. Here's the reason. If I really believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, then you should get offended at me if I don't tell you that. Right? If I really believe He's the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, and the Savior of the world, then I should tell you, not hatefully, but lovingly, kindly, not even trying to push you into that belief, but I should tell you, this is my belief. And I've told many Jewish people that, and they've not been offended at me because I'm telling them my belief. And I would say this as well. If you're Jewish and you're not a believer in Yeshua, you owe it to yourself to at least check it out for yourself. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't believe what someone else says when you've been waiting for this guy for 4,000 years, if, if, if Yeshua is, has the possibility, you ought to at least just study it for yourself and come to your own conclusion. And this is why I say that when we tell Jewish people, and we do, we do humanitarian aid in Israel and all that as well, but we do want to present the good news. This is one of the reasons we do it. Acts chapter 3, verses 25 and 26 said, this is Peter talking to Jewish people, you are the sons of the prophets and also of the covenant that God cut with your fathers, saying to Abraham, in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, we read Genesis 12. This is actually a quote from Genesis 22, but he, it's the same thought. 
God raised up, here's what he's telling Jewish people, God raised up his servant, speaking of Yeshua, and sent him first, there's the principle again, to you, to bless you all by turning each of you from your wicked ways. In the same way, the Passover lamb, we believe Yeshua became the Passover lamb, and God sent him, that's just, this is what Peter is saying, to the Jewish people first. So here's the principle again. Jesus also went to the Jew first. There was a Greek woman calling to Jesus, saying, please take, cast the demon out of my daughter. First, Jesus didn't answer. And then he said to her, Matthew 15, 24, but he responded, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So it's a pattern in Jesus's life. And then it's a pattern in Paul's life. Now I'm at Acts 13, okay? So let me show you some verses from Acts 13 through Acts 19 of Paul going to the Jews first. Acts 13, they send out Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary trip from Antioch. Acts 13, verse 5. When they arrived at Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Acts 13, 14. But they passed on from Perga and came to Antioch of Pisidia, entering the synagogues on the Shabbat. There's a difference with the Tree of Life version. Our, uh, a different version would say on the Sabbath. But Shabbat is, a, is, is the word, the Hebrew word for it. On the Shabbat, they sat down. Acts 14, 1. Now in Iconium, the same thing happened. They entered as usual, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way the large number of Jewish and Greek people believed. Acts 17, 18. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. Upon arrival, they made their way to the Jewish synagogue upon arrival. It's the first thing they did. Now, in Acts 18, there's a verse that people have built an incorrect, I was going to say doctrine, but it's difficult for me to use that when you know the word doctrine. It's an incorrect dogma. Doctrine represents uh, a truth that's based on Scripture. Dogma is a way of thinking. So, there's a difference. So, people have built uh, what they would call a doctrine, but they built an incorrect dogma, a way of thinking on this verse. And in essence, what people have said is, you know, the Bible says, Paul, he quit going to the Jews. He quit going to the Jewish people. That is not true. He didn't quit, but he began going to the Gentile people as well. And this is where it happened, and I want to show it to you, because people have taken two verses and built this incorrect dogma on it, and all they have to do is read the next two verses to find out it's not true, all right? So, Acts 18, look at verse 5. Now, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul became occupied with the message, the good news, the gospel, urgently testifying to the Jewish people that Yeshua is the Messiah. Again, many of uh, the translations into English from, from Greek would read, that are not translated by Hebrew scholars, would read Jesus is the Christ. Jesus being the Greek word, Christ coming from Christos. You see what I'm saying? This is just taking the Hebrew, Yeshua. You know, I, I just thinking about this, it also says, you know, Mary is called Miriam, because that was her name. The sons of thunder were um, John and Jacob, not John and James. And the name James actually is not in the Bible, it's a Greek word. It's the word, the word actually is Jacob. By the way, uh, the, the way it got in was when King James translated the Bible, he wanted his name in the Bible. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you this, 
especially if your name is James. Like my son is named James. And my first son is Joshua, uh, which is God is salvation, and then James. And we thought we were doing something good when we gave him the name James. And then when I made this announcement one time to the pulpit, uh, he got upset about it. So anyway, <laughs> so you'll see things like he testified to the Jewish people that Yeshua is the Messiah in the, in the Tree of Life version. So it's a great version. Verse 6. But when they resisted and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said, your blood be upon your own heads, I'm clean. Now watch this, from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Okay, that's where people have stopped. Yeah, yay is right because we're Gentiles. So most, many of us are Gentiles, some of us are in this service. Many of us at Gateway Church are Gentiles. So thank God, Paul brought the gospel to the Gentiles, right? If you're a Gentile. Okay, so that's good news. But does this mean he stopped going to the Jew first? Watch the next two verses. Next two verses. Verse 7, after leaving there, so when he walks out, he's mad. I'm going to the Gentiles, and I'm mad at you guys. Paul went into the house of a man named Titius Justus, a God-fearer, watch, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Next door. Crispus the synagogue leader or the rabbi put his faith in the Lord. Why? Because Paul's talking to him. Along with his whole household and many of the Corinthians upon hearing were believing and being immersed. Again, immersed is coming in this translation because baptism is a word from the Greek baptizo. So, and, but it means the same. It means the same. It means the same. But it's fun to read a different version of the Bible and see through different eyes, okay? All right. But here, here you go. So here's what Paul does. He's, he's, he's telling, no, Yeshua's the Messiah, and they won't believe him. And he, he just says, I'm going to the Gentiles. And he walks out, walks next door to the synagogue, and says to Justice, hey, can I rent a room in your house? <laughs> and then he shares with him, leads him to the Lord, and he's the ruler. He's the leader of the synagogue. He's still witnessing to Jewish people. He's still sharing the truth of the good news with Jewish people. And to continue to prove that he continues to go to the Jew first, just let's just read on now. We stopped at verse 8 in Acts 18. Look at verse 19. They leave Corinth, and then they arrive at Ephesus. When they arrived at Ephesus, Paul left Priscilla and Aquila there, but he himself went into the synagogue and debated with the Jewish people. And this word debated does not mean to be argumentative, but to present an opposing view, a different view. And we know that he did with love because he said in 1 Corinthians 13, if I have all the gifts and I don't have love, I'm nothing. Okay. So it's not a bad word. Uh, and then, that's Acts 18, 19. Look at Acts 19, verse 8. Paul went into the synagogue for three months, spoke, and for three months spoke boldly, debating and persuading them about the kingdom of God. So don't say he stopped going to the Jew first. Because he keeps going to the Jew first. But let me clarify again. At Gateway Church, our mission is not to take the gospel to the Jew only. It's to take it to the whole world, but to the Jew first. God's order. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but God has an order to everything. I mean, just look at it like the tabernacle. No, you come in here and you do this and you go here and you go. Oh, he's got an order to everything. And I don't know if you notice this about God. He doesn't think his way is the, 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 the best way. He thinks it's, it's the only way. <laughs> okay, so 
We talk about the peace and we talk about the priority. Here's point number three, the purpose of Israel. The purpose of Israel. Does God still have a purpose for Israel? Well, one thing we, need, we know is that God brought the God, his Messiah and the good news through the Jewish people. I don't know if you ever really thought about this, but if he had not laid the foundation of the righteousness of God for thousands of years, you can go all the way back even to, to Moses and then uh, all the way through, you go back to Abraham in Genesis 12, the Jewish people, then Moses to give him the law. God gave the foundation of his law and his love through Israel. But if he had not brought the gospel through the Jewish people, if he brought the gospel through a pagan group of people, think how convoluted it would be. So he brings his righteousness message. And by the way, you go, go to Hebrews 11, they were all saved through faith. They put their faith. Abraham believed by faith when he was called to go out. Sarah believed, even though she was old, couldn't bear a child, through faith. Just look at the list of faith in Hebrews. So, it's always been about that, about believing God and Him imparting righteousness to us. But He brings the Messiah of the Jewish people and the Savior of the world through the Jewish people. So, there's one purpose for Israel, but does God still have a purpose for Israel? Okay, Romans 11, verse 1. I say then, God has not rejected his people. Has he? May it never be. This is scripture. You can read it in any version. It's going to say, in essence, the same. For I too am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. And then look down at verses 11 and 12. I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall did they? May it never be. But by their false step, salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy. Now watch this verse because it's, it's a little difficult in any translation to understand it. We just have to focus clearly on what it's saying. And I'll, I'll explain it a little more in a moment. Verse 12 says, now if their transgression leads to riches for the world, and their loss, riches for the Gentiles, then how much more their fullness? Okay, let me go down to another verse to help us understand. Verse 15, for if their rejection leads to the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Okay, I personally read this that if their rejection of the Messiah led to the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance of the Messiah be? More Jewish people are putting their faith in Yeshua now than ever in the history of the world, ever. It's something God's doing. And here's the way it says it. It says, but it's going to be life from the dead. Let me give you another word for life from the dead, resurrection. Let me give you another word for resurrection, the second coming. A second coming is when the dead are raised. Is that right? 
So here's what he's saying. It's just so clear and it's so important. And you want a purpose for Israel to look to their Messiah and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What it's saying is they rejected and the door was open to you, but one day they're going to accept their Messiah and then he's going to come again. See, for years, the Jewish people, think about this. Do you think Satan knows this? Sure he does. Think about no other people group has been so hated, so maligned, tried to be killed on many occasions, completely killed. Not just the Holocaust, but many occasions. Unfortunately, part of church history is there was a season when the church raped Jewish women, killed Jewish fathers, and burned their homes, and when they did it, they had crosses on their chest, and they said to the Jewish people, we are doing this because of what you did to our Lord. It's a very sad part of our church history. It's a very sad part. But God's doing something now. But think about this. Now we are coming to love Israel and understand that God still has a purpose. The church is the Gentile church, I should say. But there's now, it's like the enemy says, oh, wait, boy, I don't want him to, to, to do the wrong thing now. So then he begins to purport, 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 <laughs> He begins to say <laughs> that Jewish people don't need to be saved. So if this says that when they accept the Messiah, the second coming's coming, then Satan comes around and says, well, they don't need to accept Messiah. Here's the problem with that. Jesus, Yeshua, said to a Jewish man, you must be born again. That's Jesus. Jesus said to 12 Jewish men, no man, no man comes to the Father, but through me. So it's very important that we take the gospel to the Jew first. Now, I talked to you about different versions of the Bible. Uh, I, like, I like, in my quiet time, I like to read the message. Uh, you know, Psalm 122, we read a moment ago, uh, verse 6, verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This isn't what the message says, but it says something like, Hey, dude, it was cool when they said, let's go to church. You know, it's, it's just fun to read it, you know. I actually will be reading the message and think, I've read this somewhere else, but it was different. And so, it's fun. It is a translation, uh, but it's a dynamic equivalency translation, which means it's a thought for thought. Okay, translation, not a word for word. And it's fun. So, let me read you these verses in Romans 11 out of the message. All right? Uh, verses 11 and 12. The next question is, and by, by the way, you're going to love this version. The next question is, are they down for the count? Are they out of this for good, speaking of the Jewish people? And the answer is a clear-cut no. Ironically, when they walked out, they left the door open. I love that. And the outsiders, that's us, the Gentiles, walked in. But the next thing you know, the Jews were starting to wonder if perhaps they'd walked out on a good thing. <laughs> Isn't this fun? 
Now, if their leaving triggered this worldwide coming of non-Jewish outsiders to God's kingdom, just imagine the effect of their coming back. What a homecoming. What a homecoming. And verse 15 says, if the first thing the Jews did, even though it was wrong for them, turned out for your good, just think what's going to happen when they get it right. Isn't that great? So let me tell you how God has cemented this in my heart to the Jew first. And, and when I say about blessed to be a blessing, let me clarify that I'm saying to all of Gateway Church, God has blessed us to be a blessing. But we don't give missions money and the tithe and to Jewish ministries to be blessed. We do it to be a blessing. We do it because it's in our heart to bless. But God blesses us so we can continue to be a blessing, as 2 Corinthians would say. So um, we are known as a very blessed church. Someone here wrote a book called The Blessed Life. <laughs> uh, and so, and The Blessed Church, that's correct. And, and so, all over the world, people know Gateway Church for our giving, our generosity, and for our giving to the Jew first. But they know us for our generosity and our giving. And so, I get asked all the time to speak at pastor's conferences on generosity and giving. And I like to do it because I think I can help pastors understand it in a scriptural way and be able to help people understand it. So, but years ago, this pastor called me who was head of a pastor's uh, affiliation of churches and said, hey, will you come speak? And we looked at the dates, and I said, yes, I can come. And he said, okay, I'd like for you to ask, I'd like to ask you to speak on why Gateway Church is so blessed. And I, I, it just hit me wrong. I thought, oh, you know, it, that sounds um, arrogant to me. I, I don't want to get up and say that to pastors. And uh, I, I just, he said, but Robert, pastors want to know. So he said, they, they want to know why, why so many people tithe at Gateway Church. And and why God has provided such resources for you guys to give so much to missions and things. They want to know. So he said, you can title it something else. But just, you know, and I, as I thought about it, I thought, well, I might title it that and explain that, you know, explain my heart, you know. But anyway, I sat down to, to write the message and took several hours and, and wrote the first draft of the message. When I finished it, it was as if the Lord was, I felt like he was standing here. And I felt like he was reading my notes like this. And I felt like he said to me, uh, that's not right. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you could have made that comment three hours ago. <laughs> and if you had input, you know, to give, you could, instead of waiting till the end of the message and tell me the whole message is not right. And I'd written about principles that we do here, humility, transparency, governmental principle, principles, generosity, stewardship, uh, you know, freedom. I'd written principles that we do, things that we do to help people. And I said, well, okay, if that's not why Gateway is so blessed, why is Gateway so blessed? And I felt like the Lord said to me, there was an orphanage. Now, immediately, you probably, you remember when the disciples would ask him a question and he would say, there was a farmer, and they would think, okay, he must have not heard the question. <laughs> but the parable 
the story he's about to tell is the answer. You follow me? So this is what the Lord said to me, and I never forgot it. He said, there was an orphanage, and the head of the orphanage was a very cruel man. And down the road from the orphanage lived a very benevolent father. And he came up with a plan to adopt all of the children in the orphanage because he wants them all adopted. So what he did was he adopted a few of them and showed them his love and his kindness to make others want to be adopted. And it worked. And so many of the children at the orphanage were then uh, choosing to be adopted by this benevolent father. But the original children that he adopted got jealous and left. And the Lord said to me, and I've never forgotten it and I never will. He said, and then you, Robert, speaking to me, said, you, came to me. And you said, Dad, I'm so grateful that you adopted me. And I love living here. But I have a burden for your original children that left. And I would like to see if I could go and try to get them to come back. And the Lord, he said, and I reached in my pocket and I pulled out my wallet and I said, how much do you need, son? And he said to me, that is why Gateway Church is so blessed. And I want you to understand when I say Gateway Church, I'm not talking about a corporate entity. Gateway Church, it's made up of people. You can get in on this blessing. When you tithe, when you give, when you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, when you love the Jewish people, when you give here and we take the first and take the gospel to Jewish people, to the whole world also, but first to the Jews, you get in on this blessing and you're blessed to be a blessing. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going to end this service just like we would any weekend service, and that is we want to pray for you. If you have any need, maybe you have a need in this area. You know, we talked about this animosity that people have felt toward the Jewish race, but I want to just say there's a lot of animosity among lots of races today. The seed of it is this animosity. But there's tremendous animosity among lots, toward lots of races. If you have prejudice in your heart toward any race, it's from the enemy. It's not from God. You know, someone said to me a while back, whose last name was Morris, you know, Pastor Robert, we might be related. I said, we are, because we all go back. See, we talk about the Jewish and the Gentile, Jewish people going back to Abraham, but even Jews and Gentiles are related. We all go back to Adam. We all have the same father. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, any area of your life, whether it's your health, your finances, your family, maybe it's an area of giving and tithing because that, that affects your family, that affects your finances, that affects your health. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, we're going to have one more worship song. And as soon as we stand up, I want you to come. And if you, you may be attending another campus or you may be in an overflow room, but where, wherever you are right now, we're going to have people at the front of every campus 
at the front of the Messianic service and the front of every campus. If you need prayer for any area of your life, as soon as we stand up, you just stand up, step out and come, and we'll have people here at the front. If you're on the altar ministry team, you come as quickly as you can so you'll be ready to minister, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that has any prayer need in Yeshua's name. Amen.